Mac Power Users, episode 663, HomeKit Check-In. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, and I'm joined by your friend of mine, Mr. Stephen Hackett. How are you today, Stephen? I'm good, David. How are you? I'm uh, I'm excited to talk about HomeKit. That's always uh, an interesting topic for me, uh, especially now that I have a room in the house that is exclusively mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, HomeKit is coming to a new level, and uh, both you and I talking offline have have made some changes and some upgrades, and we thought, well, you know, maybe it's just time to check in on HomeKit, not only to share what we're doing, but hopefully uh, give folks a few ideas and ways they can improve their home automation and HomeKit setup. We also got news that there's new iPads and iPads Pro with uh, spec bumps and some additional features. We'll get into that with more power users today. I think we've probably got a full show with HomeKit, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and we'll be getting into uh, macOS Ventura and iPadOS 16 uh, in our next episode. Those come out after this episode publishes, so that'll be next week's show. Um, yeah. Busy time of year around here, definitely. Yeah, should I tell you that I'm actually recording today? I don't want to know. Nope, nope. Nah, 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 nah. Okay. Well, I, I'm not going to tell you that then. Definitely. <laughs> no, you sent me photos for your desk for our episode uh, about our desk and bags. And don't think I didn't yeah. notice you were running stage manager, sir. Don't think I yeah. didn't notice. Well, I, I had, but in fairness, that was when I had the, um, I think that's when I had the M2 attached. Yeah. But, the, um, but I do uh, now have, well, I can't tell you. Never mind. My computer is just fine, Stephen. Oh, boy. There's nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. HomeKit, you know, HomeKit was Apple's big thing multiple years ago. They're going to get into the home automation business. And, you know, it was kind of an interesting time when HomeKit premiered. Um, Apple has their initiative. Google has their initiative. Amazon has theirs. All these big companies were fighting to become the dominant player of home automation. And not surprisingly, none of them are. And uh, as a result, we've got this weird world we live in where, you know, you can get a light switch that might work with your Mac, mm-hmm. but, you know, not work with your Google stuff. And um, there's actually uh, something afoot to fix that called matter. And we're going to we're going to talk about that today. But uh, the focus of today's show is the stuff you can actually buy now and use. And that that's the home kit stuff. Both you and I uh, are pretty early adopters of this stuff. Uh, I think I probably own more HomeKit gear than you. I think so. Because you, you have, haven't you mainly um, kept it to your studio as the main place where all the automation stuff is? Mostly, although we'll get into it. I've added some stuff to the house actually very recently. Uh, and yeah. so it is it is slowly spreading, but I'm not someone who's like gone through and replaced every single light switch with, something uh something you know smarter not for a lack of desire but it's one thing when you got a family and then you know i've got kids and things got to be reliable and work for, uh for them you know i don't want them having to yell at the home pod from across the room because the light turned out on them so for me it's very slow and deliberate when i sort of extend home kits reach beyond uh ye oldie pod cabin yeah but you know what? The good news is now you can. There's There are some really good solutions for this stuff now. And uh, that's something I would like to kind of mention as we go throughout the show, that a lot of these technologies now are, I consider, ready for prime time. And yep. I'm using them with my family. And uh, and I guess let's just start breaking it down. Um, I thought we could kind of go by category. And we'll start 
with the one that I think is the obvious first place to go with home automation, and that's lights. I, uh, early on, I bought some Hue lights, and uh, they made the ceiling can style Hue lights, you know, ones that screw into those cans. Mm -hmm. And, you you know, immediately after I bought the first one, realized that this is not going to work because the way those work is the light itself has the smarts in it and it has the receiver in it. And so when you push the button on your on your device, then the light in the can says, oh, he wants me to turn on and turn green and it'll do that. But, you know, the obvious failure point is that that can light also is connected to a switch. And, you know, I'm married to a lady who's not as into this stuff as I am. I have kids who walk in and out of the rooms and their entire life, they've learned one thing. You turn a switch off and on to turn the lights off and on. So if they turn the switch off, then the, the home automation goes away. And so uh, fairly early in the process, in fact, this goes back to the Katie days. I, I started getting into these Lutron Cassetta switches. And uh, Lutron, for those who haven't heard, are it's a company that makes switches. Uh, they have uh, great bandwidth for you know the signal strength. You have to get their own hub, yep. so it actually connects to its own hub. And although... In general, something I like to say about hubs, because I think that's a downside for a lot of people. It's like, well, I don't want to get into home automation. I don't want to get all these hubs. Let me tell you, (laughs) the hubs are good news. Whenever you get some form of home automation, it comes with its own hub. That means that it's really not going to kill your Wi-Fi. It's going to have its own little signal. It's its own little, you know, avenue of information shared across your house that is not going to like get lost in the Wi-Fi, And that's generally true. I know there's a few exceptions, but the hubs actually help. Um, And I think if you want to get into home automation, you should really think about that. Like I bought a switch off Amazon with 10 separate ethernet ports, you know, a Mm -hmm. switch being a device where you plug the ethernet in once, and then you can pull 10 separate cables out of it. Um, And now it's full. I mean, I, I need to get a bigger one. Uh, but, you know, over the years, I keep adding little bits and bobs that, that plug into that switch and you just have them put away nicely. You can get very short cables or you can cut your own if you want to be fancy. And, you know, it's it's not a big deal to get these hubs. So, and it definitely makes the, the whole, in my opinion, smart home and automation stuff work better. But so after that little side route there, the Lutron Cassetta uses a hub. And I have, over the course of years, updated almost every switch in the house. In fact, when I did the Indoor Studios build, I bought several and installed them from the get-go with the studio as well. And they just are rock solid. I, I don't know how else to put it. And they uh, you push the button on the switch and the lights go on or they go off. At the same time, you have full home control or home kit automation control of those switches. So if the kids turn the lights off, you can still turn them on with automation, you know, and it's cheaper because especially if you have a circuit with more than one light on it, like can lights where you've got four lights, well, you start buying those hue bulbs, it gets pretty expensive. Whereas you just buy one switch and it controls all four. Um, The downside is you can't get like colored lights in, or I guess you could, but it doesn't really kind of like jive. Uh, What you really want is just to have your existing lights as are. In fact, in my house, I don't know if this is true where you are, Stephen, but here pretty much everything needs to be LED at this point. Like when I did the build, the inspector checked to make sure we were putting LED lights in the ceiling, not, you know, incandescent. Mm -hmm. 
So um, you really do have like these built-in bulbs or these built-in lights now. So the cassette, that's just even a better case for the cassette. Um, they've got uh, uh, off and on switches. They've also got dimmer switches, which they've recently come out with a new one called the Diva Smart Dimmer. And I don't own any of these yet. I just was in researching for today's show. I discovered that they've recently released these. They are much prettier than the the uh, traditional Lutron Cassetta dimmers. Uh, on the traditional ones, you've got like the all the way on, all the way off, and they've got two separate buttons to do the dim. Uh, these new ones look more like traditional dimmers. Uh, so uh, if you're getting into this, good news for you. You're going to have better dimmers than me. But I, I feel like Lutron Cassetta is like such a win for me because... I've never had any feedback, negative feedback from the family on it, but everything just works. And because it connects to HomeKit, then all of the triggers and sensors we're going to talk about later in the show can control the lights throughout the house. I I just love it. Um, Just as an example, um, I've got an extra switch. We're going to talk about these flick switches later, but I got into these flick switches, which are just little like uh, half dollar sizes circular buttons you can push that are a trigger in home kit. And I've got one on the bedside table. If you hear a noise downstairs at night, I push one button, all the lights in the house turn on, you know, it's just great. And um, in addition to all the normal type automation stuff, this is a, a definite win for me. Uh, although it's expensive, uh, they're, they're about 50 bucks each for these lights. I don't recommend going in and just buying them all. Um, I did it over a course of years and, you know, every time I'd want to spend money on something dumb, we all do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I would divert that, that to Lutron cassette switches. And, uh, and, uh, you can, uh, if you have a neutral wire that helps, um, but I, I wired them all myself. It's not a big deal. And, and you can save that clip for when the house burns down, tell the insurance <laughs> company about it. But but the, um, you know, it's not, they aren't that difficult, you know, know what you're doing, obviously, if you don't hire an electrician, but the, um, uh, I've been really happy with Lutron Cassetta. So that's my main home automation light system. And it has been 100% solid. I have not jumped on the, uh, Cassetta bandwagon, but, yeah. uh, I've got three overhead lights in my studio that I may, uh, I may opt to, to do this. And you mentioned the new dimmer. There's also an updated kind of regular switch that looks more like a traditional uh, kind of rocker style switch. The yeah. the original one is like a couple of push buttons. This one looks a little bit more traditional. That's a big part of this, right? I mean, who cares in the studio? But if I'm going to put something in the living room or like in the kitchen, the aesthetics matter, right? So different Lutron models come at different finishes. Like if you have... Like in one of our rooms, we the light switch and all the plugs are are dark brown because it's like a wood panel room. And yeah. uh, yes, it is as seventies as it sounds. Uh, and that room, like if I were to do that, I would need to get something that you know matched the outlet. So Lutron has over time built out their lineup in a way that can fit better with sort of your you know, the aesthetic of your home and when it was built and all of those things. Because those things matter, right? It matters that these yeah. things look nice. Yeah, and and I don't want you to make fun of wood paneling anymore on this show because oh, yeah. well, I, yeah. I just put a lot of money into wood paneling. <laughs> <laughs> Yours is way cooler than in my den, <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah, but the, uh, but the nice thing about lighting is that once you do add that, it really opens up so many options. Like I was saying, like kind of, panic light upstairs or 
Like I've got it connected to the front door. When you open the front door, then the stairwell light and the entry hall light go on automatically. So people coming in at night uh, be are able to, you know, get immediate light. It's like, it just really does get you into home automation in a way that is immediately helpful to your family and yourself. And I think it's just so easy. Um, the other thing I'm doing with lighting is the, uh, the hue lights. Like I said earlier, I had bought that one. I've subsequently given that one away. Cause I just, I'm just all those can lights now are connected to Lutron switches, but I do have some hue accent lights, which also has its own hub, you know, Mm-hmm. Um, I've got one of those light strips connected to the edge of my desktop here, you know, in the studio. So like it just peels around the back. You can't see it, but it gives me a cool lighting effect behind the desk. And then I also got two, they have two little like kind of mini spot, like they're strip spots. They're like about 12 inches long, about two inches wide. And, um, I have a tool chest in the studio called, we call the iron giant. I've got two behind that. So if I, if I put those on, they really do a nice job of accent lighting. And then most recently I bought two of the, the Hue Go lights, which are wireless little mini spots that you can lay on the ground and, and colored. And I'm going to be using those for background on some of the video I shoot. But uh, I'm really thinking about these. Like we're going to talk later about some of the automations we're doing, but now that I'm kind of getting my home kit uh, house in order, uh, one of the things I want to do is use those colored Hue lights as a signal mechanism. Mm-hmm. Like since I've got several locks in the house that are now hooked up to HomeKit, which we'll talk about in a minute, why not have a, a an automation that says if the lock remains unlocked for five minutes, you know, turn on the the Iron Giant hue lights to yellow in like yeah. a signal to me. It's like, hey, something's unlocked in the house. Or uh, same thing with uh, window sensors. We're going to talk about sensors later, but but you know, if windows are still open. You could do something with that. Um, um, I just like the idea of being able to, you know, flash colors or set colors in order to to give myself signals. Like, I think it'd be cool. Like, what if, you know, 30 minutes before we start recording MPU, you know, the MPU kind of green comes on with these lights in the studio. I I, I feel like there's there's more to do with these now that I have them. And the triggering is getting easier, as we're going to talk about throughout today's show. So, the hue lights, I think, are kind of fun to keep around for that kind of thing. But for, you know, turn the lights off and on, I uh, I couldn't recommend Lutron Cassetta more. They just they just work. Yeah, I've got a bunch of hue lights. I mean, th- they were sort of the original players in this space. And so a lot of lighting in my studio, like on my shelves, and I've got a couple of standalone hue lights just, you know, for background, a splash of color for a photo or a video or something. And yeah, they require um, their own bridge. Again, I agree with you. It's no big deal to me. I just have a stack of them all plugged into the Ethernet under under a table in the studio. And uh, the the thing I will say about Philips in particular is, you know, a lot of these HomeKit accessories, they come with their own app. And then you also work with them in HomeKit or, you know, some other HomeKit application. And the Hue app has made a lot of progress, but sometimes uh, I feel like with my my Hue stuff, I'm in the Philips app more than I am with other things. Because in the Hue app, you can set up groups and do some other interesting things that at least Apple's own home app doesn't uh, surface very well. 
And I think Philip's done a pretty good job of it. I think especially over time, the Hue app itself has become much easier to deal with and to uh, the setup changing, you know, colors or automation or whatever. So some of these apps, like some of the stuff I've put in recently, I'm going to talk about, look, the app was like a one and done thing, right? I needed to set it up and now it's all in HomeKit. But with the Philips stuff, at least, I do find myself, you know, tapping over to that application uh, more so than I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, one of the, I think, downsides of Apple's Home app is that it doesn't surface all features on all HomeKit connected devices. And it's not clear to me why, because there are third-party apps that do a much better job of it than Apple. So it's not that it's impossible to get those features out of the native apps. But uh, if you want to go down this rabbit hole of HomeKit, you do need to check out the applications for these individual, um, you know, app families mm-hmm. or these these manufacturers as an example lutron has an app too and uh cassetta makes a thing they call pico remotes you know it's little they're little tiny things are like 20 bucks and it's just a remote that can control lutron cassetta light systems and you can do that with other switches in HomeKit. i'm going to talk about some other switches later but the pico remotes are really nice because they have a dimmer built in they can go anywhere like we've got the way our, our uh, lounge room, we call it the lounge, you know, where the TV is and the couch, the lights are on one side of the room only, and the couch is on the opposite side of the room. So I have a little Pico remote over by the couch that's hidden. You can't even really see it. You have to look for it. And But if we're sitting on the couch and we're watching something, we want to dim the lights. And I know you can do it with your voice, you can do it with your phone, but it's also nice just to reach over and push the dimmer. And so those are really nice. But the only way those work is if you configure them through the Lutron Cassetta app. They don't have, they don't appear in the home app. Mm-hmm. And so it's like one of those secrets you have to know. And and there are ways around it. We're going to talk later about some extreme measures you and I have gone to. But the um, in general, you know, get to know the apps. Like I think the Lutron app is one another really good one. And we don't really have a whole lot in the outline that I see from Eve, E-V-E. Yeah. But they're another really good traditional vendor. And I think the Eve app is one of the best HomeKit apps because it's just got a lot of great features in there. And I just have a couple Eve sensors, but every time I go into their app, I'm like, yeah, this is actually really well done. And sometimes I find myself able to do stuff with HomeKit gear in Eve that I can't do in the Home app, which is kind of nuts. Let's talk about locks real quick. I have uh, tried several recently, you know, because we had the, uh, the construction. I wanted to put a smart lock in the room. I tried, there's one called the level lock. Yeah. Which is like, uh, you know, it's very small and low profile talking about earlier, like something that disappears. Mm-hmm. So is that the one you're using? I, I don't have any smart lock stuff. Okay. Uh, I'm looking right. at the, the level lock plus was just announced the week that we're recording this. And yeah, all the smart stuff is like in the lock and it uses the um, home key, which is it basically uses NFC plus home kit to unlock as you, you know, you tap your phone to it. It yeah. looks it looks really nice, but I I don't have any smart lock stuff. I got some other things, you know, f- for a security perspective, but I have not gone down this road. Okay, so this was my experience. I, I bought the level lock like a month ago, and uh, installed it. It worked fine as a lock, you know, um, and uh, the key works and all that. But it also came. So I'm I, the, I my experience is with the prior iteration. Uh, because the level lock plus is brand new as we're recording and the level lock that I used 
was just kind of a nightmare in HomeKit. It just kept showing up as jammed. Even when it would close, the status in HomeKit was always jammed. I never got it once to show up as um, locked. And then, yeah, I followed the forums. They said, well, you know, you are you haven't cleaned out the the bolt hole enough, you know. So I got a chisel and, like, went at the door a little more. But it was clearly sliding home easily. You know, there was no problem. But it just kept showing up as jam. I tried to talk to someone. I, I just never got any luck, and I actually just returned it. You know, it was one of those things where it's like, if it's, you know, if dating is this hard, I don't want to get married. So I um I never got it to show up as locked. I packed the whole thing up, sent it back. And I had years ago, I, let's say three years ago, I bought a quick set home kit lock. And this isn't nearly as sexy as the level lock, right? It's a big unit with a, it's got a touchpad on the outside so you can unlock it with the touchpad. It's got a, a big, it runs on double A batteries. So you can imagine how big it is on the inside. So it's just, it's just kind of this big kind of wart above where your deadbolt goes but the thing has worked flawlessly and to add add to it you know we have the quick set locks in the house already so anytime i add a new lock or anything i can always key it to the standard house key mm-hmm. and that works throughout the house which is kind of the big selling point of quick set you can rekey it yourself so i just you know i i realized that me going down the level was just me going after you know that sexy little tiny lock but i would have had a separate key and and but the big hang up for me was i want to do a bunch of automation stuff and if the lock only shows up as jammed it's not going to work for me exactly no exactly yeah you know so i ended up i i sent that back i bought the quick set one which was cheaper too um because it's just kind of more clunky you know but it works fine and i'm really happy with it just like yesterday we daisy and i were going to get our our um our flu shots and I, I could see through the house that the door was locked in the studios. I just yelled out, you know, hey, lady, you know, lock the door. And you could just see the bolt slide close. And that was that. Uh, people do ask me, well, you really feel safe putting uh, home automation locks on your house. Isn't that dangerous? Could the bad guy somehow like hack your house and unlock the door? I really feel like, um, you know, locks keep out the honest people. The uh, If someone wants to get in my house, there are so many windows to my house. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it's just, it's just not, you know, I don't know that it's really going to make that much of a difference. And I'm sure we'll hear from people in law enforcement telling me how wrong I am, but uh, I, I just really like it. And when the door locks, you can lock it. I can have set, set custom codes. Like when we had the contractor here, I made a custom code for him so he could unlock the door with a custom code. And then after we were done, I turned it off. So now he no longer has access and, um, in general, I've been pretty happy with those quick set locks. We have three doors to our house. I've I've got two of them with quick set locks, and now I'm just waiting for a really good sale. Because now I just now that I've got it going, I'd like to be able to yell out, "Hey, lady, you know, lock all the doors." Yeah, and just know that they just they just lock themselves. Yeah. Well, the the code the key code thing is definitely an advantage to this particular product, where the the level lock plus like it's just a deadbolt that happens to have a little motor a little motor in it. And yeah. so then you're, I mean, I think with home key, I think you can set up a key for somebody and then, uh, you can retract that key. Maybe you can even set it to a specific time, but this, you know, people are used to going up to a door with a keypad on it, right? It's how like every Airbnb yeah. in the world works. And so I, I see that use case, right? Like if you have a place that you need to set access 
on a short-term basis, something like this is a great idea because you have you have that that option, right? Uh, where you don't with some of these these newer things that do look sleeker and do look nicer. And if I were to do one, like my wife would not let me put a keypad on the house. I could I could probably get away with it out here on the studio door, but again, the aesthetics matter to some people. And uh, yeah. this thing <laughs> that you've got, while super cool, not the prettiest thing in the world, and that's fine. But it is a consideration for some people more than others. Well, it is right on my front door. If you ever come visit me, you're going to see it <laughs> as soon it. as you get to the front door. But, you know, the, the advantage of a lock, in addition to being able to lock your door remotely and unlock it, like we had a thing where someone was visiting us and they got to the house before we did, and I just unlocked the door from the car. But uh, another advantage of this is it's also a sensor. Like when the front door unlocks is a sensor for me. So, I can set automation to turn on lights when the front door unlocks. I talked about earlier how the entry hall lights turn on and, and the, you know, the stuff happens when someone gets home. The trigger for that is that they unlock the door. Yeah. It's not, it's not a door sensor. It's actually the unlock. So the moment you throw the bolt, the lights start turning on. Uh, and that's, uh, I think that's cool. Not to mention I can get notifications and all the other stuff with it. Yeah. Super cool. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Go to onepassword.com slash MPU in all caps to get 20% off your plan. We've talked about 1Password on the show before. Stephen and I are both huge fans and use it every day. But did you know that 1Password is also super useful on your Apple Watch? Recently, 1Password just released 1Password 8 for the Apple Watch, and it is a great Apple Watch app. Your most precious data is now securely accessible from your most personalized device. The all-new 1Password for Apple Watch offers customizable access to nearly anything in your 1Password account with full support for complications and the same intuitive experience you all know and love. They've rebuilt the Apple Watch to take full advantage of WatchOS's evolving capabilities. The new complication support in 1Password for your Apple Watch is killer. Do you need to keep your booking code handy while traveling? You can put that on a complication. Another great use is if you have like a two-factor code that you always need to access, like you're logging in at work and you need that two-factor code, put it in a complication and you get it with one tap. Here's a power tip. Combine this with custom focus modes. So you could have your work watch face, have that complication on it that gets you into work. But when you go to your personal watch face, you know, go to personal focus mode, then you get some other complication that's not relevant to work. Beyond complications, 1Password for Apple Watch provides full access to your choice of items. You can view custom fields. Um, they even support markdown for notes. I really like that they support large type on the watch face. So if you want to get large type to get that complicated password into your device, you can do so. 1Password for Apple Watch brings the security and convenience of 1Password to your wrist. It's awesome, and you get it as part of your 1Password account. Go today to check it out at onepassword.com slash MPU. Put that in all caps to get that 20% off and start taking advantage of 1Password on your wrist today. So another area that I think HomeKit has really evolved into is uh, security and sensors. So you mentioned that you can use your door lock as a trigger to turn on lights, but you could also do that with like motion sensors or a door sensor I know you've kind of gone all in on this. So so what are you doing from a, a sensing standpoint? Well, you know, I make this show Automators with Rose. And um, so, of course, we talk about this stuff a lot there. 
And the Acara line has really landed with me. A-Q-A-R-A. You can get them on Amazon. It's another system that requires you to buy a hub, you know, which is a downer for people, right? But um, I would recommend the M2 hub, which is uh, one of the better ones they, they currently sell. You've got to plug it in again to your to your hub. You know, you've got, once again, you got to get into that switch, get another thing. But it runs on what they call Zigbee, which is something other than Wi-Fi. And with the M2 hub, I think, I know it's north of 100 devices you can run. <laughs> it's like, it is like way more than you're ever going to use, yeah. you know. Um, maybe, you know, Jeff Bezos's house needs, you know, a couple <laughs> of these things. But the... Uh, but, you know, it's just like, it's awesome. And once you get in, once you pay, I think it's about 50 bucks for the hub. And um, once you get into that, then everything else is very reasonably priced. You know, um, they have, uh, and they have so many different things. We talked about, I think on one of the feedback shows last year, the leak sensors, which raised a, like a whole chain of emails to me from people. But <laughs> I bought I bought a bunch on that show and have installed them around yeah. my house. <laughs> Okay, so like, so just to, let's start with the leak sensors. It's just a little puck you lay on the ground under a sink by a toilet, you know, by a water heater, and if it gets wet, you know, your phone goes off like an alarm bell, and it's great, you know. And they're about I think fifteen dollars each, and if you look online, you can find places that sell them in like packs of ten at an even cheaper mm-hmm. per unit price. Yeah, and you know, how's it working for you? It's it's great. So I've got one in the pan for my hot water heater, which at least in this part of the country is very often in the attic, which makes no sense to me. And let me tell yeah, you, that's scary. Let me tell yeah. you, we had to replace it like six years ago. Ultra nightmare trying to get that done. I bet. Uh, yeah. So I've got one Wait, up there. That was in the garage here. That's weird. Yeah. I wish it were not in the attic. Uh, so I've got one yeah. up there. I've got one behind our washing machine. So if those hookups start to leak uh, or there's an issue, you know, with the washer, I would know. And then I've got one under the kitchen sink. And uh, like I said, they're super small. I mean, it's basically the size of an AirTag. It even takes the same CR2032 battery. So it's it's not like this. it's this big thing taking up a bunch of space. And uh, so I've got, I added a three pack, I think on Amazon. Those are the three that I've, that I've got there. And it's really nice because, you know, I'm not in my attic every day. I'm not behind my washing machine very often. And it's just, yeah. a, uh, you know, I live in an old house. It's all hardwood floors. Like water damage would be a serious problem for me. And so this was a pretty inexpensive way to just to know if something's going wrong, wrong, you know, I can run out to the street and cut the water off. Yeah. And uh, that that's another like rabbit hole I want to go down to because there are, uh, options where you can use that trigger that, you know, the toilet leak goes off and then some robot turns off the water for you. Yes. Assuming you're not home. Yeah. There, there, and, are, there uh, are a lot of really uh, particular smart home accessories just for that. Yeah. But they're quite expensive yeah. and, you know, two to $500 range. But if you look at the, the damage you can do to your house with the overflowing toilet, they're totally worth it. But I, uh, that's just something I haven't gone down for en- further, far enough yet. But I, I've just kind of gone nuts with those things, too. I've got them on all the toilets, under all the bathroom sinks, and, you know, the, the refrigerator, the washing machine, the water heater. So I've just got them in all the places that they usually show up. And, they, you know, nothing really happens 
because I've never had a leak, but like I did a video for the labs on how they work and the, um, and I, so I took one and I did a test in front of the video for the labs members. And like 30 seconds after I did the test, my wife called me, my daughter texted me, you know, like the whole family is like, dad, what's going on? There's a leak, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's kind of what I want. You know, yeah, yeah. I want it to be like that. And so those are cool. But now Stephen, that you have the, the hub, you should look into more of this Akara stuff. So a couple that I like, um, they have these door sensors, which are really nice. Um, uh, they're like very inexpensive. And then it gives you the data point of is a door open or closed. So like, for instance, the third door that does not have a, um, a, a quick set lock on it for me, I put a door sensor on that. So I can still know if the door is open, at least whether or not it's locked. Another one I just installed because our um, our refrigerator requires like force to close the door properly. It doesn't just like close. And um, uh, and if you don't close it properly, a little alarm goes off. But that alarm is just in the frequency that I don't have with my tinnitus. So <laughs> of course it is. Like, you know, I'll be in the room, like I'll be like ten feet away from the refrigerator, and my wife will yell from the upstairs. Can't you hear that? You yeah. know, and I'm like. I cannot hear that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the problem. So I put one on each of the refrigerators because it's two doors. They open, you know, side to side. And uh, and now I have it. If it's, it's open for like over two minutes, it it, it buzzes me. So that's my uh, my solution. Uh, it's also good on windows. Like if you want, you can put the sensors, the door sensors on windows too. Uh, so I feel like that's really nice. They have, of course, motion sensors. So if you want motion, when motion comes to the room, that's a great trigger for HomeKit. Uh, they have a vibration sensors. Uh, you can put that on a window if you're afraid of someone breaking in. Like I'm very tempted to put one on the windows to the studio because I've got all my my cool gear in here. If someone ever wants to like break a window and get in, um, I would know if I had a vibration sensor on it. Um, I also put one in the mailbox so I can know when the mailbox door opens. Um, they just released a um, a new one. That's only available in Asia right now, um, but I have uh, used some sources to order one, and they call it a human presence sensor. Rosemary already has one of these, and it uh, it apparently like uses a variety of data to tell when someone is in the room. That's cool. You know, and and so like I want to get that hooked up in indoor studios, so like I can have lighting and things work based on me being in the room and. This has actually historically been a hard problem because with a motion sensor, if you sit at a computer, eventually you stop moving and then it thinks you've left the room. And uh, so there's different ways people go around it. Rose put a a vibration sensor under her chair. That was her trick, you know, but I don't want to do that. I think a human presence sensor would be a good idea. But uh, so I've got a variety of these things around the house and I'm continuing to kind of grow it as the as the technology gets better and cheaper. But I, I've really been sticking with Akara because I've got the hub. The hub can hold as many devices as I can throw at it. And they're not that expensive. Like I, I bought some more uh, door and window sensors. I'm going to like complete the house on that. And um, I'm just slowly putting together a very nice sensor array for the whole house using this Akara stuff. Yeah, I just bought a door sensor <laughs> while you were talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and they're, I mean, literally, you just stick them on. There's, there's almost nothing to the install. Um, and I've seen people use, like, I've got the motion sensor now working out the mailbox outside the house. Like another one I want to put on, we have an exterior gate on the house. 
which is always close, but it, my dog is a flight risk. So I don't really want her getting out that gate. And occasionally for one reason or another, it gets left open and uh, I'm going to put a, um, a door sensor on that one. So I just get an alarm if the gate is open and I can go close it. Um, but you know, just stuff like that. You can solve a lot of little problems with these 10, $15 sensors once you've got the hub. Yeah, absolutely. And what I like about their stuff is that it does work so nicely with HomeKit. Like they've got their hub, but like the Hue thing, right? Like you can do some stuff in their app, but it also just shows up within all your other yeah. Apple stuff, which is which is really cool. Um, yeah, I've been really impressed with it. And I agree with you. Like if you're out there, like the, I can't stress enough how helpful the leak sensor thing can be because it can be such a big deal. Like you said, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about switches. Ah, yeah. Ah, I like what you did there. Yeah, there you go. Well, Akara does sell a switch, um, which is, well, again, not too expensive. In fact, I, I bought one just to see how they work, and I attached it. If you look in the indoor studios, the um, the door, there's no switch for the lighting in the room there. The mm-hmm. only, there's a switch there that controls the outdoor security lights. So I just stuck in a car a little switch to the side of the Iron Giant. I walk in, if I tap it once, it turns the lights off. I tap it twice, it turns them off. Um, and so these are Zigbee little switches that, you know, can do anything in HomeKit. You know, once you've got a switch in, the, all these switches have three modes. They have a single tap, a double tap, and a long press. And uh, so you could do that all with a car and not, you know, bother with anything else. A couple years ago, so I'd, yeah, I'd say it's been about two years. I think it was early COVID. Um, I got an email where there was a sale on these Flick, F-L-I-C, switches. And um, so I ordered a pack of like five of them. And it's another thing that comes with a hub, you know, (laughs) although this is the smallest hub I have ever seen. It is like smaller than a deck of cards. Um, But it, you know, it just tracks the signal of these switches and they all have those three modes, single press, double press and long press. And I put them and they have a little, you know, sticky double sided tape on the back. So you program it to do anything that your home kit can do and you stick them somewhere like under my desk. I have another switch that turns the lights off and on. And another one that turns like those hue mood lights on. If I want, I know that sounds creepy, right? A switch under my desk that, that I'm, I'm not creepy. I'm just turning the lights on guys, you know? So I've got it there. I've got, like I said earlier, I've got one by the bedside table. Um, the other night Daisy had come upstairs and she's like, I don't like how, um, because we don't have a switch. The switch for the stairwell light is at the top of the stairs, as you do, right? And she's like, I don't like that because then it's dark from the point I get to the top of the stairs to the top point I get to the bedroom door. So I just stuck a flick switch by the bedroom door that turns off the stairwell light because all of this stuff is plugged in through the Lutron Cassetta system. So now she can turn off the stairwell light you know, when she gets to the bedroom. And so just, you know, just like making things more convenient. That, that's kind of my point of this stuff is you don't have to be at war with your family. As you put this stuff in, you can actually make their lives easier. You just got to find their friction points and find an easy way to solve it. And uh, switches to me are another just like natural, right? Because people understand what switches are. And for her, uh, I have it. So if you press it once, it turns the stairwell light on. If you press it twice, it turns it off. I don't even have that one programmed for a long press because I don't want her to accidentally long press and be surprised. 
but um, the I've got a couple in the bedside table that have very complex things that happen depending on what I press. Because uh, uh, another you know medical malady is I have to take eye drops every night and I can't open my eyes for like twenty minutes. So being able to turn the lights off and on without seeing is uh, kind of nice. Flick switches though, uh, thumbs up from Sparky. They they work great. But if you have the Acara system, you can just buy the switches from them. It, it does the same thing. Although the Acara switches are a little bigger. Hmm. Yeah, I uh for spoilers for a thing I'm gonna talk about in a second is I've uh added I've home kitted my driveway gate and my garage door. And yeah. I think that switches would be really cool. So I I could we could just have those like by the back door on the inside and you like hit it to open the garage and the gate. It'd be nice. Yeah, and and for you, I would just recommend buying some Akara switches because you already have the hub. Yeah. So just get those and then yeah, and you can have multiple switches controlling the same lights. It doesn't matter. It's not like the old days where there's copper wires connecting everything. Yeah, you know? absolutely. We have a whole like system. Like we can turn Christmas lights on during the holiday season uh, in many ways. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, you know it's it's using these you know the deployment of these little switches that we can do it. Uh, I do like the the switch under the desk though. It's it's really nice just sitting here and just being able to turn lights off or on. Yeah. And, uh, back in the old days when I had a, a little uh, pond and a fountain outside my window, I could also turn that off and on with one of these switches, just using one of those exterior plugs, you know, home kit plugs, and just turning the pump motor off and on with a switch. Let's talk about security. Uh, this is an, another area where uh, there's a lot of options, and there's really, uh, I think, almost more than any of these other categories. I feel like security is one where you're really picking a vendor and going with them. So for instance, uh, I, for years, used Nest cameras around the house, around the exterior of the house. And when I built the studio, they were in transition to sort of a new Nest system, and the camera didn't really make sense for what I needed. And I switched over to Ring, which I know some people have strong feelings about. I get it. Um... But I've got a couple of cameras and a couple of uh, exterior combination like camera and motion lights. Like I've got one on my garage. So if you come up the driveway or pull in the garage, you know, the the spotlight will come on if it's after dark and the camera's there as well. Um, And that's been fine for me. Ring is very much like some of these other systems where you can kind of build up what you need over time. And, and, you know, for instance, um, I, uh, in our side yard, like, like along the property line between me and my next door neighbor, we just had a chain link fence and I just had a gate installed there and I had an extra ring exterior door sensor and I put it on that gate. So I know if that, that gate is locked, right. But say that we're working in the yard like, Oh, did we shut the gate back? Then I can just check, right. That, that sense of sense of, of peace. Um, but it's not in HomeKit. We'll talk in, in the next section about how I got that into HomeKit. But for me, my security stuff is all ring. And then the house itself had, when we moved in, a traditional security system. Looking at it, probably installed in the 80s. Like big, giant keypads, way too much wiring, like all of this stuff. And... Uh, about a year ago, we replaced uh, a bunch of windows in the house, 
And let me tell you, that set off a chain reaction <laughs> in our house that I did not anticipate <laughs> because yeah. I, I went around before the crew came to put the windows in and I very carefully unscrewed all my window sensors. Again, all tied to a traditional security system that had no smarts about it whatsoever. Very carefully unscrewed everything, unstapled the little wires, wound them all up so they'd be out of the way. And it turns out those window sensors were not compatible with the type of windows we put in because we put double hung so they open from the top or bottom. Big mess. So we had to replace the window sensors. And that set off this chain reaction of, well, your system is from the 80s and we can't actually put the new style sensors and it talked to your panel. So anyways, we had to replace the panel and the controls and everything. But the upside of all this was my local security company uh, for their sort of cloud connection, if you will, uses, uh, it's called alarm.com. And it's just basically a vendor that a bunch of security companies white label. And so I have an app and I can, you know, I could see all the sensors. So I can see, oh, my daughter left her window open because it's labeled, you know, uh, rear window west or whatever it is. And I know where that window is and I can see, okay, well, that sensor is, is currently, uh, open because the window's open and then I can close it and it gets closed in the app. And that's something else that I have shoehorned into HomeKit through HomeBridge, which again, we'll talk about in a second. But my point is for me, none of my security stuff is in HomeKit natively. And I feel like that's the case for a lot of people because a lot of people have Ring or Nest cameras that, you know, they don't they don't play nice with HomeKit. But I know you've gone a different d- direction with uh, the, UV, the UFI stuff, which we've we've talked about before. But how has that held up for you? Are you still happy with that? Uh, it's been an evolution, you know, and these things are, are you know, funny because as you start like investing in them, then you become more committed to them because you, you know, why have two different platforms? And I got into Eufy because they were inexpensive and they were HomeKit compatible. So you could just send them to HomeKit. And the other thing I like about the Eufy is they have local storage. You know, like a lot of these camera systems, you start buying them and you find out, Oh, and they also want you to pay them $10 a month to store all your video for you online, which is two things. Number one is just the idea of an extra $120 a year. Um, And then the idea of I've got to rely on somebody else keeping a secure server with video from my house, you know. And uh, even if it was free, that is a concern to me, right? And I've always, like like the idea of Apple's um, secure cloud storage solution where Apple does that for you. They don't charge you. And Apple, I believe, has the ability to put up a secure server where it's not going to be available to anyone that wants to hack them. Uh, maybe that is, uh, you know, optimistic of me, but I've just always kind of had faith and they do it. But with the Eufy stuff, I don't need to rely on that. They store it here locally. Um, like the first thing I bought was uh, two of their, I think they were called Eufy 2 cameras. And they come with a little box that you have, again, connected to your switch with a SD card in it that stores everything right there. So it's it's in your house. Um, and a lot of the other cameras do the same thing where they've got different ways you can put SD cards in them and they can store locally. Um, however, so things have changed for me. Um, I, I'm still happy enough with the, the UV cameras. I like the price point and they, they seem reliable. I got some of them that have the little motors in them where they can track, you know, they move around. Sure. Very creepy, like. Um, but I, I became increasingly unhappy with HomeKit Secure Video for a couple of reasons. The first is we had a couple of events 
where I was doing work in the Eufy app in there, you know, they have an app as well. And the, the iPad one is actually really nice. Like I have it open on my desk right now on my iPad under my computer. And it's like, you know, a security monitor of the whole house. And it's nice when we record podcasts to see if somebody's at the front door or something, but I had it open and somebody came out to the front door, left a package quickly. And then, and then left it just the, you know, you know how these Amazon guys are like running all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like so they sidewalk. Yeah, exactly. You know, and Yuffie caught it and recorded it and HomeKit did not. And yeah. then I started doing some experiments and realized HomeKit is actually slow to catch motion. It is. And like, if somebody were to run on the door and grab a package and leave, I'm not sure HomeKit secure video would capture it. Yep. And so I started to become down on HomeKit secure video. And then I started researching it more, and I realized that the Eufy app, these cameras are 2K cameras, but when it, they get sent to HomeKit, uh, HomeKit downscales them to 1K. And maybe that's to save server space. I'm not sure why it is, but even in the HomeKit app before it saves anything, the camera quality gets cut in half. I'm like, you know, this is silly. So I just uh, I just took all of my HomeKit cameras, all my Eufy cameras out of HomeKit. And the other problem is not all Eufy cameras work in HomeKit. Like I have a couple of those outdoor security lights where it's got a floodlight and a camera in it. They don't work in HomeKit. And also the Eufy doorbell cam doesn't work in HomeKit. So I had a couple that I had to, I had to go to the Eufy app anyway. So then I just decided, okay, the Eufy app is going to be the place where I do all of this stuff. Uh, the only exception is um, there's one camera that points at the dog crate. And my kids like to just watch the dog sleep, you know, kids. And so I put that in HomeKit because getting them into the Eufy app, I just didn't want to deal with it. And so, and it's not really a security camera so much as it is a camera just to make sure the dog is okay and uh, and to let my kids look at the dog. So so that one is in HomeKit and it's easy to, to segregate them. Um, overall, I'm happy with this. Eufy just released a brand new uh, Cam 3 out with a new storage device, which is even better. Um, I haven't bought any of them. I don't want to, I've spent enough money for a while right now. Um, so I'm just sticking with what I have. But if you're going to get into it, they've got an updated camera, better battery life. It's got a built in solar charger in it. It's just, it's a nice unit, like for putting outside. So I would still recommend it. Uh, if there's one thing I would change about it is, so I have indoor and outdoor cameras, and I want to turn the indoor ones off sometimes. And the Eufy app does not make that easy. I mean, it should be like a big red button. You say, turn off indoor cameras, but you have to do it on a camera by camera basis, which is mm. dumb. I wonder if you, could you set up a scene that turned them all off? No, because they're not in HomeKit. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If I put it in HomeKit, I can control that. HomeKit makes it much easier, but the right. downside is... They don't capture as much. The, Got know, it. The downscale. It's like so. It's like uh, it's. I just had to choose between two options. And sure, uh, because everything is stored locally. Eufy does now, by the way, have the cloud storage like everybody else. I don't. I don't didn't purchase it because I mean the whole point for me is to keep everything local. Since this stuff isn't going out to the internet, I'm not as obsessed about turning off the indoor cameras. And 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 also, of course, don't put them like in bedrooms and stuff. <laughs> right. They're, right. You're. You know. I've got one in our living room that looks, uh, it can see, we have a huge window in our front room, so it can see the yeah. whole window and it can see the front door. So like if someone comes to the yeah. front of my house and we're not home, that camera is going to see them. But yeah. yeah, that's the only camera I have inside. And it, like I said, it's pointing 
I mean, if you walk past it, it'll see you, but it can't see like down the hallway or anything. Yeah. Well, I've got more than that, but they're mainly covering windows and entrances. Uh, the other thing is because they're these, these UFI cameras that are on the little um, pivot, it's super creepy, right? Like if you were a, a burglar and you walked in and the camera like spun to point at you, I feel like <laughs> that would have an effect, right? Yeah. I'd run away. <laughs> Cause that's what they do, you know? <laughs> but that's the problem is like when I'm home, like we have friends over, I don't want the cameras like spinning to follow you walk across the room, you know? So, uh, you know, I just wish they had an easier way to like turn multiples off, but this is a known issue. If you go on their boards, there's a lot of people complain about it. I expect they'll figure it out. Uh, Eufy is also the company. Um, it's, it's anchor, you know, I yeah. mean, it's a company. I kind of feel like they've got it together and they'll get this stuff figured out. They mm-hmm. can, they just release a new camera and, and the exterior ones are really nice. You know, the, the floodlight cams, I, did I send you a picture of the skunk? We had a skunk in the back. You did. A couple weeks yeah. Ago. Yeah. 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 It's just like, you know, it's just kind of fun. I mean, almost for anything, I'm not as worried about crooks as much as I am. Like, is there a bobcat here? What, what's going on? You know? And, uh, so we get lots of wildlife in our backyard. You sure do more than I do. Yeah. A, a couple other things that I've done that sort of, that they sort of fit into this category. I mentioned them a second ago, but, uh, adding my again decades old garage door opener to HomeKit. I tried this a few years ago with a product uh, sold by Best Buy, an Insignia smart garage door thing, and I got so much email, David, telling me that thing is going to die in a year. And guess what? <laughs> it died within a year, and they don't even sell it anymore. <laughs> it's like off the market. So I kind of forgot about it, and then I came across one by Miros, and we've mentioned them before. They make a wide range of HomeKit stuff. Uh, they make like surge protectors, like each outlet is its own HomeKit thing. A lot of really cool stuff. And they make a garage door thing. And so you you wire it in line with the switch on the wall. And for my setup, it was really simple. Um, you have like a magnetic strike that you, that was, this was the hardest part for me was figuring out where the sensor needed to go. And I ended up putting it on top of my garage door and then on the, the wall and so they it knows when the garage door is closed and when it's open and it is instant like you hit the button in home kit or you talk to siri and the garage door is moving i've been really happy with that and again like the door sensor thing for me like yeah it is about control but it's also about knowing if the garage door was shut when we left the house because maybe the kid maybe a kid was the last person in the garage right and how many times have you have you gone somewhere and you think, oh, the garage was open? And then like, that's all you think about while you're gone. Yeah. And so yeah. It, I can also get a status on, uh, on it. So that's been in about a month and I've been, I've been really happy with it. And an extension of that was, okay, we have a driveway gate. So you can't even get like to, cause our garage is behind our house. You can't get to the garage or the backyard. There's a big swinging gate there that we put in, uh, during, uh, like 2020 lockdown time. And yeah. it had a regular IR remote, like in the car and has got a keypad, but I really would, ha- would like, you know, again, the same sort of control. Now I could see on a camera if it's open or closed, if I'm gone, but I came across a product. Uh, its name is, <laughs> it's so bad. Its name is iSmartGate. Good, good, okay. good naming there, but it does what it says. And they have a bunch of different models. They, you know, if your gate swings open or if it, if it's one that like slides open, like on rollers and 
like the garage door thing, a lot of, especially with a lot of sensors, like door sensors or window sensors or gate sensors, I've learned there's no like right or wrong way to put the sensors, right? And so I, I fiddled with it a bunch. And you can see in the picture in my blog post in 512 Pixels, there's a link in the show notes how I did it, where basically the gate rotates around, you know, it, it swings open. So it rotates and then the sensor sees that it's closed. Very easy to put in, just took me maybe half an hour. And uh, both Miros and iSmartGate, they have their own apps for setup and like for firmware updates. Like there was a firmware update for the gate when I got it out of the box, basically. Uh, but uh, now they're just in HomeKit. And so I can I can talk to Siri. Um, the one problem I've had, I don't know if it's like iSmartGate's problem or if it's HomeKit's problem, but it considers the gate a garage door. And so I would say, hey, HomePod, open the garage door. And it would be like, Uh-oh. which one? It's like, no, there's only one garage door. There's also a gate. And so... I did a couple of things. I moved HomeKit rooms. So they were both in the garage HomeKit room. Now the garage door is in the garage room. And I put the gate in its own room named gate. I'm very good at these names. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would say the driveway, but okay. yeah, I yeah. should have done driveway. Um, it's a good, uh, may go change that. Uh, and then I changed the name of the garage door opener to car opener because even separating them, because garage door is also a type of device in HomeKit, it was still confused when I used the voice assistant, which is really annoying. Like, why can't, like, why are you imposing what you think these things are? Like, it should just be based on what I call them or the room they're in. And so I've had to do some some finagling to get it all to work really well with uh, with Siri, but it's nice. And both of these things are, you know, kind of dumb devices, right? Garage door opener is about as simple as it gets, but now I have control and access from anywhere. And uh, I've been really happy with, with both additions. They're both very recent. The gate I did like three weeks ago. Um, but it's been, it's been fantastic. Well, I, I think we both like have hopes for this. Stuff. It's, you know, I've, I think I've nailed down a lot of the, like the basics of it, but uh, there are next steps for me. Like I am, I'm interested in blinds, but they're very expensive and yep. I just spent a pile of money. So that when I put blinds in the indoor, I just got um, the ones you pull down with your arms and your hands, you know, but the, uh, and it's fine. It's not like they're really high windows. Like you've got them on those really high windows in your studio and you have to get a ladder to open them manually. Oh yeah. So get white. Yeah. Um, but uh, mine are not, they're accessible. So I'm interested in that, but not like enough to pay for them. And the, uh, uh, but I am interested in, like I said earlier, uh, some solution to turn off the master water. I don't know why I'm so obsessed with this, but I've had a couple friends that had like, you know, $30,000 oh, bills yeah. because of water leaks. And it's just like, that just is crazy. And and like, usually I think it's covered with your homeowner's insurance or whatever, but I just don't want to deal with that. And uh, so I'm interested in like something to turn off the master, but I haven't found the right solution yet. And the other thing that I'm interested in, and this is something Rosemary is doing that I want to look into, is an IR blaster. Um, some of the Acara hubs actually have IR blasters built into them. But especially in indoor studios, I think it'd be cool to have something that can blast infrared signal to like, because the, the air conditioner I have in here is not HomeKit friendly, but it does have a remote that's infrared. And the TV is the same thing. Like I, there's some stuff in here that would be cool to add to HomeKit yeah. uh, via infrared. 
And uh, I just have to do the research on that. I, I can solve the heating and air one for you because I just did this as well. Uh, there's a product called the MISA Smart Thermostat, M-Y-S-A. And they make one for like baseboard heat, in-floor heating, and they have one for split units like what you and I have in our respective studios. And the thing is just an IR blaster. Um, you, It's like old school. Like it works with HomeKit. It's fantastic. But to program it, you take your IR remote for your mini split and like fire it at the thing and it figures out what it is and learns everything. Sure. Um, yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll send you a link to this and I'll put it in the show notes. I set this up like three days ago. So I, I haven't okay. like fully Hot off the press, fully yeah. worked through it. But so far I've been, I've been really happy with it because, you know, my, my split unit, uh, has, uh, it has an app, but boy, it's the jankiest thing you've ever seen. And like to get it on the Wi-Fi, it came with like a USB thing that you put in the air conditioning unit. And I, I felt, um, uncomfortable. Like, okay, should this be on my network or not? Sometimes you just have that feeling. I'm not saying that it is or isn't. Um, But uh, a friend of ours, uh, Matt, in the Relay Discord had looked at this and sent me a link to it uh, because he's installing them. And uh, again, it's only been a few days, but so far it's pretty good. Now, it's got to be in sight of the unit, right? Because it's using IR, but it also looks really nice and it shows the temperature on it. And you can even walk up to it and just like manually hit the touch. That's got like a capacitive screen on it. And you can just tap the up arrow and the temperature goes up. So I've been pretty happy with it so far, but it's early days. So, so have you bought anything as we've been recording today yet? Uh, I ordered some of the, uh, the little the car sensors. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, I bought a door sensor and their little, uh, buttons. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to do the, garage and gate on those buttons so yes so I've, I just spent, put, I've spent a little money i just put the misa in my cart so well maybe at the end we got to figure out who spent the most money today <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah i think that that is exactly what i'm looking for but I, I also think it'd be cool to be able to blast at the tv but honestly i don't use the tv that much yeah and it's got an apple tv in it so I'm not it sure is nice my my lg tv is on home kit and it does very little but i can just I can turn it on and off. So like, you know, oh, did we leave the TV on, right? Or did a kid leave the TV on? I can just turn it off within the home app. This episode of Mac Power Users is made possible by Electric. When you're leading your small business, it's not all glamorous. In fact, sometimes it's a matter of spending hours trying to find a laptop that got lost in the mail for that new hire or dealing with some other technical emergency which you're well equipped to deal with, but look, you just don't have time anymore. The team over at Electric knows small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. So instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can focus on building your empire. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. When you start out, it's easy to do everything yourself. Trust me, I know. I own a small business. But over time, you need to delegate, and Electric is a great partner for handing off all of your IT tasks. For MPU listeners, Electric is offering a free pair of Beat Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai mpu 
That's electric.ai slash MPU. Go there now for a free pair of Beat Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of the show. Okay, so we've been talking about native HomeKit stuff, but both you and I have kind of gone a little bit further down the rabbit hole. Uh, you may have heard of HomeBridge or Home Assistant. Well, Stephen and I, because we suffer for our listeners, we've done both. Stephen, you've got a HomeBridge and I've got a Home Assistant. Let's talk about those. Yeah, I think it's important to know the difference between these two things. So HomeBridge is a software product that you can I'm running on a Mac mini. You can run it on basically anything. And it sits as an interface between HomeKit and things that are not HomeKit compatible. So, for instance, my Ring system, right? It's all in the Ring app. The Ring app's fine, but I want to use HomeKit for a bunch of stuff. I want to use automation for a bunch of stuff. And so there's a HomeBridge plugin that authenticates with Ring and acts as the intermediate layer between HomeKit and whatever non-HomeKit accessory you have. And there's plugins for tons of stuff. You can look at their website. There's a bunch of them. It is open source. You're kind of installing it yourself. There's a lot of hand-holding, but it works for me. But you're using Home Assistant, which is more of a... I mean, it can like bring things into HomeKit, but it can also kind of be its own system unto itself, right? Yeah, this is like the next level of this. They're They're both open source, so... You know, that's good and bad. I feel like the open source communities are super aggressive about adding support. And, you know, the 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 underlying problem addressed by the the home assistant is, number one, there's all these devices on different ecosystems and they don't necessarily talk to each other. You know, this is hopefully what Matter will solve. But um, the other problem that the home assistant does that nobody has really done is like, how do we have multi-step automation? Like uh, HomeKit has automation, but it's very limited in scope. And uh, with home assistant, you can bring automation to like next level. So, uh, you know, the reasons you want something like home assistant, it's local. It doesn't use the internet. You control it, open source, all that kind of hippie stuff. But then it works with pretty much everything. Anything that gets added that doesn't work with home assistant, as soon as somebody bumps into it, the home assistant community wires it up. So you can, you can download stuff to run, anything it's it's like when you first open up the home assistant app and they do have an app for the phone but the way you primarily use it is it's a local server you know you hook it up and then you go to a web page that is on your local network and you can do so much it, it gives you you know if you if you've been using automation in HomeKit but said man i really wish i could do this if you know make the conditions if the door is unlocked and it's dark outside and i'm home but my wife isn't home you know like that kind of stuff you can do all of that with Home Assistant. It like goes so much further in terms of like the conditionals uh, of automation. So it gives you more power. But then you've got to like kind of fiddle with that to get it working. Mm-hmm. But once it works, it's it's kind of great. I am only a few weeks into it, so I'm a new Home Assistant person. Uh, there's a couple of ways you can set up Home Assistant. It's open source. You can download the software. You can get you know a little you know. Um, third party like computer like an Arduino or one of those devices and load it up. Uh, I believe you can even load it up on like a Mac mini if you want. Yeah. Um, what I did was rather than build my own, they, the company or the, the collective that makes home assistant every few years, they release a, a hardware based product. The current one selling is home assistant yellow. And I bought one of those. It was, 
I think it was a little north of a hundred dollars when I bought it. So it's not, you know, break the bank expensive, but I just wanted the device set up by them with everything. And like it immediately paid for itself when I hooked it all up and the app says, Oh, you need a firmware update, push this button. And then I didn't have to go into do weird terminal commands and, and pray, you know, yeah. <laughs> it just, you just push a button and it updates itself. It's like, it just, it's kind of like the easy entry way you can do it cheaper but the, I, I elected easy over cheap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I bought the home assistant yellow and I'd recommend the same unless you're somebody who really wants to kind of get into the weeds with this stuff. Um, but so I, I am early in the process. I'll talk about it more as I spend more time with it. But my initial impressions are setting it up was really easy. Uh, at one point, um, I, I, I was resetting some stuff this morning and I said, and then my my internet went down. I'm like, how did me working in Home Assistant break my internet? You know, and I actually texted you because I was worried that we wouldn't be able to record. And then I went and looked under there, and what had happened was the little plastic tab on the back of the Ethernet cable had broke. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, on on my Eero, which was next to the Home Assistant. So in the process of fiddling with the Home Assistant, I. I, you know, the, the cable came loose and that, yeah, that your internet doesn't work if you disconnect the cable, there's a a lesson, (laughs) Um, but so no, it's been great. And uh, so the setup process has been nice. Um, The whole thing runs on a dashboard that you customize. So you can say, you know, give me the temperature, who's home, what devices are working. Uh, The yellow, at least auto discovered all of my weird home kit and non home kit devices. So like, you know, I talked earlier about how I'm running the Eero, I'm sorry, the Eufy stuff through the Eufy app, but I think I might be able to drive some of the Eufy camera feeds to HomeKit if I want, uh, without all the downsides of what Apple's doing. So uh, it's just a, a very interesting toy if you're interested in home automation. And, uh, you know, the thing it does is make everything talk to each other, which is great. But more importantly for me is it really opens the floodgates on automation. Yeah, this is really cool. It's something that I've looked at uh, a bunch on and off. And I know when you ordered the yellow, I was like, oh, maybe this is the time I, I do this. I haven't made the jump yet because Homebridge plus HomeKit is enough for me, but I definitely have times where I bump into, especially the automation, just being a little too simple in, in Apple's ecosystem. And yeah. I haven't like I haven't really felt like I've really pushed against that hard enough to make this jump. But if I do feel like I need more, Home Assistant is where I would go. And honestly, I'd probably do the Home Assistant Yellow as well and just stick it in my closet with all my other network stuff. Because you know, running Homebridge on a Mac Mini is fine, but I got to be a little mindful of what version of Mac OS it's on, keeping Homebridge up to date, keeping its plugins up to date. I had a, a situation maybe six months ago where Homebridge just like stopped working. I had like uninstall it and reinstall it and set it all back up. And I still to this day don't know what happened. So there is something attractive about something that's a little more turnkey, like Home Assistant seems to be. And honestly, that's the reason why I've always kind of steered clear of Homebridge is because I want to make stuff I can rely on. Yeah. And I, and I know there's a lot of people listening like, oh, you're being lame you can do Homebridge and, you know, you can always troubleshoot it. And I agree. I'm not a complete incompetent, but I'm also not like at Rosemary's developer level knowledge of this mm-hmm. stuff. And I don't want to spend time on it more than anything else. I feel like I could fix a Homebridge problem, but 
I just want the stuff to work. And I felt like home assistant was kind of the middle ground, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and it is frankly more powerful because of the automation stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so getting the pre-canned home uh, assistant yellow um, so far, I'm, I'm happy with the purchase. I'm early. It is more fiddly than home kit. And, you know, it's not as pretty in terms of user interface, but you know, I, it doesn't mean I can't use home kit either. It's just like, it's one more layer of abstraction that I can add when I need it. And uh, I'm very curious to see where I draw those lines as I get more accustomed to it. Uh, Another thing I just want to throw in here real quick while we're talking about solutions to bring in non-HomeKit accessories. Uh, The Starling Home Hub is a device, kind of like the Home Assistant Yellow. It's a kind of prepackaged deal. Its job is to bring Nest, so like the Nest cameras, the doorbell, thermostat, the Protect, all of that into Apple HomeKit. When I ran a bunch of Nest stuff, I had one of these and it's a hundred bucks, but it is rock solid. It's tiny. Like you could put it in your pocket, got ethernet, it's got power. And it again, acts as a bridge between Nest and uh, your HomeKit setup. So you can do that in HomeBridge. You may be able to do it in Home Assistant too, but if you just have a lot of Nest stuff and you want something that's really like completely simple, they you know they have updates for it. They manage it in terms of compatibility with new things. I was really impressed with the Starling Home Hub, and I ran it for years without any issue. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention earlier is um, thermostats. I mean, we talked about it with respect to our our split units, but yeah. for our our central air, I've talked about this prior in the show, so there wasn't a lot to say. But we have the Ecobee or Ecobee, I don't know how they pronounce it. Yeah, Ecobee. Yeah, I do too. I've got one. They have the HomeKit one. I've been using it for years and it's just been, uh, it's been remarkable in its unremarkableness, you know? Mm-hmm. It doesn't, because we had tried the, uh, what was the one that um, the Apple guy had made? Um, Nest. Nest. We had tried the Nest and it was too smart or it tried to be too smart and it was doing all kinds of crazy stuff, turning the air off and on when we didn't expect it and and I, you know, we try to manage it in the app, but then it was it, it, like it had a mind of its own. Echo B isn't as fancy, and that's exactly what I want. And and even though we have automation features, we really just primarily use it when it's really hot in the summer, and we're go and we're driving home, we turn it on remotely. Yeah, <laughs> and and also I like yelling into the air, you know, hey lady, turn the air conditioning on, and it just turns on. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Nest stuff, the learning thermostat stuff, like it is pretty clever when i ran a nest for years and years and i ended up turning most of that stuff off and with the echo b it's it's really straightforward you can set a schedule but i'm like you like i never think about the thermostat which is exactly what i want like i can open the app or i can go up and touch it or talk to the home pod or whatever uh, but i've been i've been impressed with it it's not the prettiest thing in the world i've got the echo b I bought it like two years ago. So whatever the current one was two years ago, it's like a black kind of glass thing. Like it's not as nice yeah. looking as the nest, but uh, it yeah, gets the nest job was done. a work of art. It was really pretty. And the way you turn the dial, oh, it was dude, just great. So good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got the, uh, the echo B three. I've got the three echo B three. I think I'm trying to look at their website. They have a bunch of different models. One thing that is nice about the echo B while we're on the subject is they have remote temperature sensors. And so I've got one in our bedroom and one in my daughter's bedroom. And it kind of takes into account 
the temperature throughout the house, which is nice because like my my daughter's bedroom is in an addition. It's way at the back of the house. It tends not to cool and heat quite as well as the rest of the house. And so it can be aware of the temperature back there and kind of work to equalize everything. I guess I should mention how much I love my mini split. If you're listening and you're not familiar with mini split air conditioners, you should be because I, I didn't know they existed until Steven told me about it. But for the, the indoor studios, in order to get the duct work to this room, we were going to have to cut through joists and the joists were holding up my bedroom and I didn't really want to do that. So we got the, uh, one of these little mini splits, I can make this room like 60 degrees if I want and not run the rest of the air conditioned house. Actually save money. These are great. Totally unrelated to home kit automation, but man, I love this thing. Yeah, it's, it's, I've been really happy with mine. Um, I mentioned earlier that I'm using Homebridge to bring in the ring accessories that I have around the house uh, into home kit uh, as well as the alarm.com stuff. Uh, both of those, those were pretty easy to set up in Homebridge. You install the plugins, you authenticate with your account, and then Homebridge gives you one of those HomeKit barcodes to scan, and then it adds everything into HomeKit. HomeKit basically sees Homebridge as a hub for all this other stuff. And the reason I did that is I wanted control over the ring and the alarm system on the house to be within HomeKit so I could use automation and I could, you know, use Siri and all the stuff I'm used to using instead of having to open the Ring app and open the Alarm app and, and you know, bounce around every time we left the house or every time I, you know, we're out and about and want to check on things. And, you know, for me, are either of those things completely required? No, but it is nice to have it all, all under one roof, if you will. There are Homebridge plugins, like I said, for almost anything. There's one for like my Roomba. I haven't gone down that road yet. Uh, I kind of want to. I just, I just haven't gotten around to it. But, um, you know, if you are, maybe you're like me, where like you started with this stuff a long time ago. And, you know, over time, you just kind of end up with like all these different systems. Uh, you can glue them together uh, through these tools, through Home Assistant, through Homebridge, through the Starling Home Hub. Uh, I'm sure there's even more options out there on the market. It's just the things that, that we have used. But it is more of an open system than it first appears, right? And, and in the beginning, it was like, it has to work with HomeKit or else. And slowly over time, those walls have broken down, which is which is really nice because you can go out and shop on, on the broader market and not just be stuck with what Apple works with directly. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to talk about matter later because I think that is kind of a, a big cloud over all of this. Definitely. Or a ray of sunshine. Yes. Yeah, uh, let's go with a ray of sunshine. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by ZocDoc. Find the right doctor right now with ZocDoc. You can sign up for free at ZocDoc.com slash MPU. ZocDoc makes it easy to find quality doctors in your network and in your neighborhood. Plus, with real verified patient reviews, you can find the right doctor for you. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. This is such a great service. I mean, we spend time trying to figure out where we're going to eat dinner using the Internet. Why not find a good doctor? You can find every specialist under the sun, whether you're trying to straighten those teeth, fix an achy back, get that mole checked out, or anything else. ZocDoc has you covered. 
The mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride to a restaurant or getting delivery to your house. Just way more important. Search, find, and book doctors with just a few taps. And you can find and review local doctors, read verified patient reviews from real people who made real appointments. Now, when you walk into that doctor's office, you're all set to see someone in your network who gets you. So find the doctor that's right for you and book an appointment in person or remotely that works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc. It's their go-to whenever they need to find and book a quality doctor. I'm a ZocDoc user because I realized picking the right healthcare professional is way more important than picking the right pizza joint. And I wanted to use the power of the internet to get someone who's not only on my insurance, but also gets me. And that worked. The ZocDoc doctors are great. They're always on your insurance. And those personal reviews really help me get a feel for the person before I go visit them. I mean, nothing is more personal than your health. So you need to find the right healthcare professional for you. So go to ZocDoc.com MPU and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash MPU. And that URL, one last time, ZocDoc.com slash MPU. And our thanks to ZocDoc for their support of the Mac Power users and all of RelayFM. So let's get into some of uh, the automations that that we're using. Uh, for me, I've got just a handful, but they've really become like a core way that I manage my smart home stuff. Uh, the simplest one I have is that a couple hours before sunset, uh, s- lamps across the front of our house get turned on in the den, in the front room, and in our bedroom, and then they get they get turned off automatically. Starting at about 10.30 through about 11.15, about every 20 minutes, one will turn off. And I've tinkered with that over the years, uh, but it is, uh, if we're gone for the evening, right, then, I mean, lights are on, people are home, and I have the knowledge that they'll be turned off, right? So if we go to bed and we left the den light on, then it'll get shut off on its own. So it's a very basic one. In the home app, when you go to automations, like one of the main ones is time, right? So you can set fixed time. You can also set time based on sunset. So another one that I have is to close the shades in the studio 15 minutes before sunset. Because if I'm out here after dark, these windows are really big. I don't want a bunch of light spilling into the, the backyard from the studio. And so if the shades are open 15 minutes before sunset, this thing runs and it closes them for me automatically. Both really simple, right? But I think with automation, with with smart home stuff, sometimes the simpler automation you come up with make the biggest difference, right? I mean, I remember growing up, like my parents had uh, the, it was like a big box you plug into the wall and it had a like a big circle on it with a bunch of little switches and it was a clock, basically. It would spin around and depending on where the switch was at that given minute, it would, the light would be on or off, right? Like, there's yeah. a reason that was popular. And for a lot of people, automation can start as simple as, hey, this light goes on and off with a time. And you can build up from there, of course. But I think you can start simple with this stuff. Yeah, I talked about my pond earlier. And just a few years ago, I had one of those little lever switches on the pond where it would just turn on because I wanted to make sure the pump ran every day to you know, hopefully avoid mosquitoes and keep everything clean. And so every day I use one of those lever switches and eventually 
they started selling uh, exterior home kit plugs that, you know, were more reliable. And then I took that switch out and, of course, put it on a home kit because I like the ability also to turn it on, you know, with my flick switch or whatever. But, yeah, uh, in terms of automations, I've got a bunch of simple ones and I'm in the process of making complex ones, really. The reason I bought this uh, home assistant and, and you know, with the finish of this construction, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff I want to try. Um, that I've got kind of on my list that I haven't got to entirely, but like the basic ones that we use every day, um, the, um, when I put a motion sensor by the front door, I kind of hit it in the, like the entry porch, but when there's motion up there, uh, then it turns on the porch light. Um, yeah, usually we try to have the porch light on. So when the kids come home or Daisy comes home late, it's usually one of them, not me coming home late, but, uh, if there's motion, then the porch light comes on. And it also, I would think that it has some effect on someone who's trying to burgle the house. You know, if they just walk up to the door and the light turns on, uh, hopefully that would, uh, deter them. But you know, that's a simple automation. It's in a car, a motion sensor, um, hidden on the porch that connects to a Lutron Cassetta light switch that, uh, controls the porch light. Um, so that's that's an example. I talked about a couple during the course of today's show. If you spin the front door lock, um, a bunch of lights come on inside the house. So when you get in, you can see them. I've got uh, when the last person leaves the house, and this is an unstable one right for me right now, but uh, in HomeKit, you're going to have it identify people, and usually it's by their phone. But if all the iPhones leave the house, it pauses the home the HomePods, you know, just in case. Because I play music all the time, and Sometimes I forget to turn it off. So if I leave, usually I'm, if I'm the only one here and I leave, then it turns off all the, the music, which I think is kind of cool. The, uh, I've got a whole series of them related to Christmas. You know, we've got a bunch of different automations that turn on exterior lights. And um, last year I bought a home kit power strip. If you believe it, such a thing exists. And it's a, uh, it's a power strip. You plug it into the wall and it's got four plugs in it. And each one is its own home kit switch. Does that make sense to you? So there's yeah, there's four AC plugs that you can control each independently through home kit. And there's a bank of USB power as well that you can control via home kit. And uh, I put it up by the tree. And so I've got USB stuff and I've got multiple light streams and the, you know, we've got one of those little Christmas villages. So all that stuff plugs into different circuits on the power strip. And then I could, you know, I automate the heck out of it individually using HomeKit. And for the life of me, I kept it out. I didn't put it away with the Christmas stuff. I'm like, I'm going to find a use for that when it's not Christmas. And uh, it's now been 10 months and I have not found a use for it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. What do you do with that, right? Oh, speaking of home automation, my home vacuum just went off. That's great. Why are you talking <laughs> Did you hear that? I did hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Home automation gone wrong during the show. I don't know. Anyway. Um, so, uh, so I, I've got a bunch of automation related to the holidays and then like, I do like to have like um, sunset related automation, you know, like that's one of the nice triggers that's in the home app where like at a certain time you turn lights off or on and that's really useful. And once you get your house hooked up with, you know, Lutron Cassetta, then, you know, the sky's the limit yeah. with stuff like that. I've talked about how I want to get uh, use the Hue lights as signal devices. I haven't actually put that in place yet, but that is going to come. Um, once my human presence sensor arrives, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff I want to do with that. 
I put in, when I built indoor studios, exterior to the room, there's a door that leads to the rest of the house. Well, above that door, I put an AC, um, just a, just a, a, a plug, you know, where you can plug things in. And I connected it to a Lutron Cassetta switch. And the idea is I can push a button and put power in that plug. Mm-hmm. And I, currently I have a little tiny LED light in there and it works fine, but I want to do something fancier. I think when the wood shop's rolling, I'm going to make, build like an on-air light with like the Max Sparky logo or something. But you put that up there and so I can push a button and then the light turns on. And so when I'm recording in here, people outside the room can see, oh, I can't just like barge in right now. And I want to really go nuts with stuff like that. Like I already have some, you know, I'm about to start automating with, um, I'm about to start recording MPU. I've got a bunch of, you know, keyboard maestro and other automations that kick off with that. So I could easily wire that up to turn the light on too. So that's something I want to do. Like I said, I want to do light-based notifications with the light colors. And um, uh, and with Home Assistant like taking root in my house, I feel like, if we talk about this in a year, I'm going to have a lot more to share. Mm-hmm. You mentioned an automation based on people leaving. I've got a couple of those set up as well. Like you, I have found it to be hit or miss on iOS 16. Make it out what you will, I guess. But yeah. we have one. If you're the last one to leave or you're the first one arriving home, HomeKit will send you a notification to... It basically, I have it tied to two scenes. One scene is to disarm the home alarm system, right? And the other is to uh, set the ring alarm to away or home, you know, if you're leaving or, or going, whatever the case may be. Because I've got a ring camera that like looks in the backyard, for instance. I don't have that on that camera on unless we're gone, right? Because I don't need my kids running around on camera all the time. And so uh, when you, you know, set up with a geofence, when you get to the end of the street, phone pops up and says, hey, do you want to set the home, you know, the, the house in, in away mode or whatever the scene is called. And a lot of these automations can work automatically, right? So a sensor goes off and it does something with a light. But ones that can change uh, basically access to your home, so like a security system, those do require uh manual manual triggering you know it'll prompt you to say hey do you want to run this and you have to say yes i do want to run it so when i get in the street my watch buzzes i tap my watch and i'm at the stop sign and it arms the house and turns on the ring or you know whatever the case may be and uh, i think the the again some of the tracking behind that or like when it triggers has been a little rocky for me but overall, I think it's a really powerful trigger. Okay, I want my stuff to be in a certain state when I leave, right? Like you said, you want the home pods off, you want the cameras on, whatever it may be. But also, that triggers when I get pretty close to my home coming back, right? So by the time I've parked the truck and get inside with my grocery bags or whatever, the security system's off, right? If I had it set to a door lock, I could have it going, right? If I, I have... um we have a, a hue light strip in the kitchen under some cabinets. And that one I have I have set to this as well. If when you come home, turn that light on. Because a lot of times, it may be in the evening and there might not be other lights on in the kitchen. So the present stuff is really pretty cool. I don't know if it would be 
uh, more useful to tie that to like a presence sensor. I think for me, I want it all ready. So when I, my key hits the door, I know the alarm's already off. But that one I've tinkered with a lot over the summer and I've got it pretty much where I want it. Yeah, like related is with HomeKit video, it's supposed to be able to recognize people. And then that gives you a trigger for automation. And I have found that to not work worth a damn. Hmm. It's just, I never can get that working. Um, a couple related things to automation where I'm actually manually triggering it, but it feels like automation. I got a remote case for my Apple TV remote that has an AirTag sized hole in it. So basically I turned my Apple TV remote into an AirTag receiver as well. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, by the way, I think I talked about this on a recent episode, but it is such a great investment, you know, because anytime you push a button and your remote beeps, why is that not built into the Apple TV remote? I have no idea, but there you go. Um, but also because it's an AirTag, it's an NFC transmitter and NFC can be a trigger in shortcuts. So I put a um, automation where if I tap the remote to my phone, it triggers a home kit automation. It turns out the lights in the room where the TV is, you know? And so like if we're watching a movie, another way, you know, I have the dimmer, but I can also just tap the remote to my phone, which is kind of fun. Another NFC related one is I have a sticker in the car and if I tap it, it unlocks the front door. Nice. Um, So the idea is you get home from the grocery store and you tap the phone. Um, I am testing that one right now. I I, I don't want to really promote it just yet because my fear is what is the accidental trigger range of that? What I don't want to have happen is I'm moving my phone around inside the car and unlock the front door, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm working on that one, but I think there's something to it. And, um, like one of the things I was thinking is what if I moved the sticker to like inside the glove box somewhere where the phone never really gets near, but, but I, I want to test it and just figure out the limits of it. I'll, I'll probably do a blog post or something on it at some point, but that's another kind of like, it's not really automation. I'm still manually triggering it, but it, it feels like automation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can get a NFC tags, like a sheet of them on Amazon really cheaply. And yeah, I've got a yeah. couple around my office for various things. So I have one uh, kind of on the edge of my desk that I can, uh, I can trigger and it puts my recording focus mode on. If I have any like hue lights on, it turns them down. Again, my overhead lights are dumb until I get some cassette switches, but I think I could include those. And it's it's cool. I mean, I, I hadn't really thought about putting one in the car. That makes me really think about some things. Maybe I could, I could, you know, if my arriving, leaving automation fails, maybe I could also tie that to a, a NFC sticker, you know, in the on the dash of the truck or something. Yeah, you could also maybe put one like inside or near the door jam. So as you're walking in and out, you can just tap it. There's a lot of stuff you can do with NFC stickers. Let's talk about some third-party applications. You know, we've mentioned things like the Philips Hue app and and others that come with specific devices, but there's also a whole class of apps that extend HomeKit itself or give you more control or different views into HomeKit. And uh, the first one that you listed here, Home Devices, I'm not familiar with, so tell me about that. Yeah, there are so many third-party apps. And I just want to say, I don't understand. I mentioned this earlier in the show, but Apple does not surface everything um, that is available to your home devices in the HomeKit app. And it just seems weird to me that you got to go to third parties for that. But there's a there's an app out called Home Devices. And it's like 
if you're interested in the stuff we've been talking about today, this is an app you should download. It's, it's a free download. I do think they have like a, you can support or like subscribe to it if you want, but it does an index of your house and shows you every device you have and tells you what its capabilities are. And it tells you the capabilities regardless of whether or not home, the home app actually supports the, those, those features. So it gets you a clue as to where you may want to go to a third-party app. I, I put this one first on the list because I feel like it's a really good one. And then the other thing is they do a really good job of indexing what's available. Like let's say you want to put a home security camera, but you want to be HomeKit friendly. The app gives you a list of all the currently available ones and what their features are. And it's not like opinionated. It just tells you what's there. So it gives you, a, it's a great resource as you start building up your home kit setup. And then the other thing that the developer does is he tracks like some of the better YouTubers and blogs that, that focus on home kit and gives you a news feed of their most recent stuff. And I just, I felt like this app is really great for someone who wants to like start getting their feet wet with HomeKit or even like go deeper with it because it just gives you a really easy way to find the hardware you want and and see what you can do with it. it, it I think it's a really good uh, thing to go along with today's episode. Like if you're interested in this stuff, I mean, we're an hour and a half in, we're still talking about it. Like <laughs> you must be, right? Yeah. But just download the app and, and even the free version is good, but you can give the guy a few bucks if you want as well. Yeah, that's cool. Another one that I think we've talked about before, but you and I are both big fans of, is Home Control. Uh, this yeah. is a menu bar app for the Mac, and you can get all your scenes, all of your rooms, all of your accessories. But the reason I love it so much is each one of those comes with a URL. And so you can use a URL scheme to do things like trigger a scene from the Stream Deck. Um, there's lots of ways to do that. You can also set up a shortcut that triggers a home scene, lots of ways, but this is a really clever way of doing it. And you know, the home app on the Mac has come a long way. This I think is, is better because it's available just in your menu bar, really easy to get to. And yeah, I'm just, I'm a huge fan of it. Yeah. And it, it doesn't just control lights. It controls anything in home yep. with these URLs, uh, URL streams. Like one of my daughters who shall remain nameless <laughs> routinely leaves the house without a without a key. How do you do this, Stephen? Like, you know, so her way of getting into the house is she comes home and she rings the doorbell. And then whatever I'm doing, I go and open the door for her. <laughs> and I don't understand this. And like I've given her so many keys and she just doesn't do it. Right. And but now, like with this this home control, like I can be sitting here, I can see her car pull up in the driveway. And I just reach over my stream deck and I push a button and the front door unlocks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's that, you know, but the, uh, I mean, what, what a weird use case, but it, you know, you can literally control anything in HomeKit with, with your stream deck with this thing. And of course we love that, but also, you know, having it in your menu bar is really nice. It just drops down a menu. You turn things off and on as you're sitting at your Mac. If, if you've got HomeKit stuff and you've got a Mac home control is totally worth it. Another one, uh, can, there's a couple that are like um, kind of what I would call more extensive home apps. And there, there's two of them, Controller for HomeKit and Home Plus, which is now version 5. So there's Home Plus 5 and Controller. And I feel like these are both really good, like improved versions of the home app. If you want to like do more with automation, it's got more steps. Both of them have the ability to back up your setup, which I think is really cool. Uh, controller has smart folders. Um, but home plus 
is the one that kind of resonates with me for whatever reason I use that one more. But if you feel like you're hitting, um, you know, a ceiling with the home app, uh, I would recommend looking at both of those and just picking what, whichever one you like. They're both excellent. Mm-hmm. Now we come to the Aaron Pierce fan club part of Mac power users. <laughs> yes. Aaron's That's... a developer has made a range of home kit apps and we've talked about them before, but uh, worth talking about again, because I think I have the feeling that, you know, how underscore Davis Smith is like probably the person who has done the most development on the Apple watch. Yeah. Maybe including people at Apple. Right. I feel like Aaron yeah. Pierce is that for home kit. Like no yeah. one knows this stuff better than Aaron. Um, and he has sort of a suite of utilities that make uh, dealing with HomeKit stuff just easier. And uh, my favorite of those is called Home Paper. Uh, what this lets you do is create the wallpaper to go behind your home or your uh, your rooms in the Home app. Now. This is downplayed a little bit in iOS 16 because you can still get to an individual room, but by default, everything's just one long screen. But I have a picture of like my house with a nice gradient and it just, it makes uh, the home app look much nicer. It's also really nice because it makes it really easy at a glance to know what room you're looking at in HomeKit. And this app lets you make wallpapers for the iPhone and the iPad. And unfortunately these don't sync. So you have to set up on each of your devices, but, uh, I love I love home paper. The the day that it was announced, I went and got it and, and set a bunch of these up. Yeah, it just such solves such an obvious problem. And I, I agree with you. The visual nature of this stuff makes it easier to navigate the home app. And that makes it better. Uh my favorite of his is one that I came across way too late in the process. It's called Home Pass. And if you use HomeKit, you know that a lot of times there's a magic code, you know. Um, like that's another complaint I have about the level lock, by the way, the home kit code was on the back of the manual that was glued to the box. The only way I could find it was by ripping the manual off the glue and saying, Oh, here it is behind yeah. the glue. I mean, what, what were they thinking? But so there's a magical little QR code you got to point your device at to connect it to your home kit. And if you lose that QR code, I'm not sure there's a way around it. I haven't, fortunately, I haven't had the problem where I've lost one or I couldn't, but I have definitely not saved all those QR codes over the years of HomeKit stuff I bought. And if I ever have to reset some of these things up, I may be totally like out of luck. Some of the better devices have the QR code on the device, which mm-hmm. is, I think, the way it should be. Yeah. But a lot of them just print it on a piece of paper and stick it in a box. And HomePass allows you to save that. You know, you can capture it with your phone and save the QR code. So you're never like really screwed, you know, if something goes wrong. And uh, like I said, I found about out about this app or he released it, frankly, after I've been buying HomeKit stuff. I wish I had it from the beginning. If you're getting into HomeKit, get HomePass and just start using it every time you get a new device. Yeah, it's a lifesaver. Uh, you know, even if it has it on the device, like what if your smart plug is behind your couch? Right? You don't yeah. drag yeah, your couch out of the way. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Home Pass is is super cool. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Home Run. So this puts HomeKit scene selection kind of uh, front and center. So it comes with the ability to make uh, complications for the watch, widgets for your iPhone. Just getting HomeKit stuff 
out of Apple's own UI and kind of customizing it. And you get full control over the colors and the icons, and you can even use emoji on them. Like it's it's really a nice way to customize the way you interact with this stuff. Yeah, I mean, Apple tries to do this itself with the home app. They have complications and ways to do this stuff, but Apple's is, I think, too generic and always makes you go through everything. With Home Run, you can pick, like if there's one scene you do every time you start working, let's say you work from home, you can put that scene as a complication on your watch and you don't have to do anything but press it. And it's just much better implementation. Another app uh, that Aaron has put together is Home Cam. So this will pipe in camera feeds uh, into HomeKit, but in a much nicer way than HomeKit does on its own. This gives you like a four-up view. Uh, You can view one full screen. You also get uh, information. So a lot of these HomeKit cameras have like temperature sensors in them or they run on a battery. If that information is shared, it gets overlaid on the feed. Um, And this uh, notably has an Apple TV app. So you could you know, run an Apple TV and have all your cameras up. Like, you know, that, that TV you hung in your office, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. You could set that up to be like a, you know, if you were using HomeKit uh, with your cameras, you could have them all piped over there. It's like a live preview. Yeah. It's really nice. Uh, You do have to have your cameras in HomeKit, obviously, but um, it's cool. I, I was using it until I gave up on the whole camera thing and HomeKit, like I talked about earlier in the show. Yeah. I thought it was worth talking about. So Aaron continues to make apps. I suspect the next time we get around talking about HomeKit on Mac Power, there'll be another one or two in his stable because he just keeps coming up with them. (laughs) Uh, Another one that is worth talking about is uh, now under the new management, PushCut. And PushCut, I think, is kind of like next level. It's an application that allows you to use a spare iOS device as as a shortcut server. So you can like trigger shortcuts. Do a bunch of stuff with shortcuts that you normally can't do because you know it runs as a server so it can do things at specific times and a bunch of different things and um uh it was lingering a bit and rosemary orchard is now uh developing pushcut her her and a group of friends you know kind of took it over and they just redid the website we talked about this in the most recent episode of the automators but pushcut is you know by a friend now and it is an excellent home kit device because you can use it as a dedicated iOS server and like trigger a bunch of HomeKit stuff that you normally couldn't do. So it gives you like more power over HomeKit and it's definitely getting better and easier to use. I think the knock against it for the longest time is it was so nerdy, but Rose is putting a ton of effort into making it less so and still equally as powerful. If you got like an old iPad mini or a, even as an old iPhone, you just stick it in a corner and plug it in and put push cut on it as a push cut server and suddenly you get a whole bunch of extra home automation tools. That's really cool. And it is in good hands with her. I'm, I'm excited to, I was excited to see that news. Um, yeah, really cool. Uh, one last one, follow the sun. It's just a cool app. Um, uh, I'm using it less now because my lights have a fixed temperature. You know, I can actually change the temperature in these lights, but I have to literally pull them out of the ceiling and throw a switch but um, if you have temperature adjustable lights, uh, follow the sun looks at your current location and adjusts the temperature of your lights throughout the day to match. Ooh. I know Apple is doing something similar or trying to do something similar, but this one I really have more faith in. And um, 
I, uh, I was playing with it right up until the time I realized I couldn't really get the full benefit out of it. But if you'd like to have temperature adjusting lights match, you know, the time of day and where the sun is, uh, it's just such an interesting app. I wanted to mention it. Follow the sun. That's really cool. Uh, the Hue app does that too. That's one. There's a bunch of different ways to do it, but it sounds like this one is sort of a higher level than just in the the Philips app. Yeah, I haven't used the Hue app, so I don't know. But this one does use your specific location, which I think really helps do it better. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Setapp. There's an app for everything these days. Some are great. And others, not so much. So how do you quickly find the right one for you? Well, Setapp is a great way to discover apps for every professional with a Mac and iPhone. It has over 240 apps, all available with a single subscription. From coding to design to everyday chores, such as decluttering your menu bar or cleaning up storage, Setapp has top-tier software to keep at hand. Imagine what you could do with 240 high-quality apps all packed into one. There's an app for almost any task. You don't need to look in tons of places to find what you need. With Setapp, you can think about your tasks, not apps. One thing I love about Setapp is that all these apps are full-featured. You get all the features of all the apps listed in Setapp, and you're not tracking down a bunch of software licenses or individual subscriptions. They have a dedicated curation team that only selects the highest quality apps. New apps are added regularly and updates are free. And it's a great value. So instead of paying like eight grand in licenses, there's just a one flat monthly fee of $9.99. Until November 30th, use the code MACPOWER to get 20% off your first month. Head on over to setapp.com and look for a link to redeem the code down in the footer. That's S-E-T-A-P-P dot com, code Mac Power. Our thanks to Setup for their support of the show. All right, Stephen, we've been talking about HomeKit now for a while. I guess we're not going to get to the iPads today. <laughs> but we got one more segment, gang, because there is something on the horizon called Matter. And yeah. we talked about it earlier in the show. Uh, Matter is... Uh, a platform that's being developed simultaneously by all the big players, Amazon, Google, Apple, Samsung. And it's basically everybody throwing in the towel and saying, okay, we realize no, no one of us is going to become all powerful in this stuff. So let's just create something where if our customers buy something from us, it still works with the stuff from you and it releases people from platform lock. And, you know, getting those four companies to agree to that is no small feat, right? Maybe not particularly <laughs> Apple. <laughs> you know, I mean, Apple historically is not a huge fan of of having their stuff work with other people's stuff. But it is it's here. They've just released it, I believe, as we record this. It's been released about a month, but right now the way it stands is manufacturers are getting certified because the 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 standard is released. They have a big event planned in November. And so this is actually happening now where we're going to start seeing devices come out with the matter certification. And in theory, it'll work on your iPhone and it'll work on your Android phone and it'll just open it up. So we're not as reliant on things like home assistant and home bridge to use anything with anything else. Yeah. It's really impressive that this has come as, as far as it has. And my understanding is Apple actually did a lot of work to make this happen. And a lot of the underlying tech 
came from Apple, which is really cool. And so the whole thing we talked about earlier, right? I bought uh, a Nest camera, so I got to use their app. Well, like if Nest goes to support this in the camera you have, you will be able to add it to HomeKit. And they're using uh, Bluetooth, low energy, Wi-Fi, and Thread, which is like a local radio protocol that a lot of smart home stuff works over, to tie these things together. Now, it's not a golden bullet. Like It's not going to solve all problems. Like The devices you have have to be updated to work in it, or what you buy new has to work with it. Uh, for instance, Google has said the cheapness thermostat will support it, but they have not said that the nice one will support it. And that has, like I know Jason Snell was upset about that on Upgrade uh, last week, rightfully so. Um, you will probably still need bridges and hubs. You may actually need to update a bridge or a hub. But the idea is that matter becomes sort of the invisible glue so you can put basically any device into any ecosystem. You're not going out and buying a matter hub uh, so like the the HomePod Mini, the new Apple TV that was just announced, they support Matter and it can become a, a Matter hub. Um, really, you're never going to see Matter. You're never going to interact with it very much. It just means that in the future, if you buy something that maybe previously just worked with the Amazon voice assistant, now it will work with Google or Apple's. And this is an ongoing thing. Uh, at launch, they support a bunch of categories. So light bulbs and switches, plugs, smart locks, safety and security sensors, media devices, smart blinds, garage doors and thermostats, and HVAC. Uh, No cameras and no doorbells in Matter 1.0. But it may be that this time next year, say Matter 2.0 is here, maybe those things are added. And so it is early days, but the promise of this is really exciting to me because for so long in the early days, like when you and I were first getting into this, you had to like make a decision. Like I'm going to be in an Amazon house and I got to buy stuff that just works with the Amazon assistant, or I'm going to go all in on Google. or I'm going to go all in on HomeKit. Now over time, most popular accessories either work as their own ecosystem, like Nest or Ring, or they work with multiple, right? So you go buy a smart plug on Amazon that works with Amazon and Google and Apple a lot of those lines are, a lot of those divisions are going to fade away. So I'm extremely excited about this. It is early days. Uh, I would say that if you're getting ready to buy a bunch of smart home stuff, this should be a factor in your purchasing decision. I don't think it has to be the only one because if you're going to be HomeKit centric, you can still just get HomeKit stuff. But if you want to move beyond that, Matter is going to be the way that you can do that in the future. So very exciting, very promising, and. I hope that, you know, if we revisit this in two years, a lot of the conversation about, oh, I bought this thing and it only works with this this one assistant, that a lot of that's in the past. Yeah. I mean, just as an example, back to my door lock saga, after I returned the level, I went to Home Depot and just bought the, the quick set, you know, automation lock, which I thought was, it looked very similar to mine, but it was, but it said quick set on the box. I got it home, I looked at the box, and I realized it was Google and Amazon, but not HomeKit. There's a different one for HomeKit. So I had to go return that one and then get the HomeKit one off Amazon. And like that stuff still happens, but it is doesn't happen as often. And I feel like matter is not going to be one of these things where overnight, suddenly everything just magically works. But I feel like over the course of two or three years, it's going to be increasingly unlikely that you bump into things that don't work with each other. And that's just kind of like the slow boil. Uh, one thing I would recommend is 
don't get hung up on waiting for matter. Like, you know, as we talk about, don't say, well, I'm going to wait three years. Uh, home automation and this stuff is too useful to wait. You know, you could always wait and um, get stuff. If you're listening to our show, I think you should probably pick HomeKit and just get HomeKit compatible stuff. And a lot of it's going to be matter compliant anyway in the future. If you really want to be careful, look for vendors that have already uh, agreed to sign on to it. Like Akara has publicly stated that they're going to support matter. Um, I was looking this morning and it looks to me like Lutron has not said anything about whether they'll support matter with their switches. And um, historically, I think they do kind of keep mum, but maybe they will, maybe they won't. I don't know. Um, So, you know, that can maybe affect buying decisions, but overall, this is just going to get better over time. And I don't think any of these companies are throwing in the towel here and they want you to just forget about it and just buy anything. They're going to, they're going to have an opinion and stuff will work better with certain platforms than others, but, but hopefully matter, you know, comes along. And then there's all this other power management stuff like charging electric cars. And um, you know, there's just a lot of different things we can do with home automation going into the future. And I feel like matter is probably going to lead the way on that once it gets, you know, it's boots on the ground, as they say. It's very promising, though. I'm pumped. Yeah. And uh, and now I just got my home assistant as Matter is going public. So there you go. But <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like Matter is a long way off from what I can do with home assistant, if ever. You know, Matter is about compatibility more than it's about automation, is my general impression. Yes. Yeah. Uh, agreed. All right. Well, we, we went long, but uh, there's a lot going on. Just checking in on our home automation stuff, right? Um uh, I'm very excited about the promise of this stuff and using it more and more. Like I said, at the beginning of the show, now I have a, a, a room that's exclusively mine. I'm going to like really go nuts with this stuff. I'm having a good time just gearing up for it. Uh, but we'd love to hear what you guys are doing with home automation. We got the forums over there at talk.macpowerusers.com. Uh, let us know if there's something we missed or a category of automation that you're using that we didn't talk about. Um, let us know. I'd love to see what's going on. Meanwhile, we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. Thank you to our sponsors today, 1Password, Electric, ZocDoc, and Setup. And we'll see you next time.